initial trailer I saw this uh, in front of it and I was like well that'll be that's stupid I'm as bad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore so you lie to yourself to be happy there's nothing wrong with that we all do it we all go a little mad sometimes come on one of you nuts has got any guts what's but a smile Face. You're only as healthy as you feel. Listen to me! Listen to you, but what right? Because I have a right to be and I have a voice! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pop Culture Case Study. Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let's let the healing begin. Welcome to Pop Culture Case Study, where we analyze pop culture from a psychological angle, a part of the following films network. So, this week, uh, because releases were just so fantastic, uh, we are taking a look at Happy Death Day. And to do that... I have the ultimate return guest. I have Michael Denniston back for a new release episode in 2017. I didn't think this would happen. Hello, Internet. We are still here. <laughs> kind and of. We're so happy <laughs> yes. to be here. I speak for everyone. <laughs> so, Mike, why don't you tell us about one of your podcasts that you'd like people to listen to? Well, I should probably uh, play to the, uh, the home crowd. Uh, you and I have launched a podcast. It was initially sort of under the guise of being a rom-com show but i think by episode two we were like ah fuck that and so <laughs> we, we do what we want about <laughs> jeff nichols mud which is not a comedy really uh, michael shannon has some good bits so it's it's now a uh, a look at romantic tropes in film so anything that has a romantic subplot which can include a lot of films uh, so it helps us we just watch whatever the hell we want that week uh, that's been a lot of fun to do so it's about a half hour to 40 minutes and uh it has a nice little structure to it. So anyone who has listened to me on War Machine versus Warhorse, uh, <laughs> it's the opposite of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's not nearly as much riffing, so it's a, a little bit more of us trying to contain ourselves. So I don't I don't know. You you'll get the best of both worlds, right? If you if you want to hear all of our nonsense, go to War Machine versus Warhorse and all that that insane back catalog. <laughs> but yeah, the grand gesture. I'm having a lot of fun uh, doing that show with you. So, yeah, uh, hopefully your listeners will check that out. All right. So, <laughs> as I mentioned, uh, we're taking a look at Happy Death Day after watching Source Code earlier in the week, which is another movie with kind of uh, repeating time and time loops, much like Happy Death Day. Um, and I just want to know what your thoughts were going into Happy Death Day. This does not exactly scream like the Michael Denniston special, except for the fact that it's relatively short. I guess this is the only thing it's got going it's a, for it. It's a big, big boost to it, I'll say that. When I say that 90-minute runtime, Yes. my wheelhouse. Um, I think initial trailer, I saw this uh, in front of it, and I was like, well, that'll be, that's stupid. And didn't, didn't think anything else about it. And um, I don't know, I think I strangely got excited about it, because there's been a lot of the, and I've talked with you off mic, there's been the, the sort of Oscar Beatty, sort of the, the TIFF stuff that came out in September that hasn't worked for me. Um, I know you were a fan of uh, Battle of Sexes. I was not. I didn't like Brad's status. So a lot of those have been like really big whiffs. So mm. I guess I just submitted and was like, all right, October slasher movie. Fine. Let's right. just do it. So by the time that came around this weekend, I was I was kind of down for it. I was I was into it. So we'll, we'll see if that smacked me in the face because I felt that way late <laughs> in the game about Blade Runner as well. It didn't come out as enthused. Yeah. So, yeah, I hope you're I, learning I guess, your lesson to not get excited about things. It takes all of well, like five days, and <laughs> yeah. I'm like I'm back for my uh, new movie fix. Apparently, so right. yeah, I guess I was cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a really good way to put it. That's kind of how I was walking into this too, because I thought, you know, 
I mean, I saw the trailer and I was like, this doesn't look great, but it also doesn't like scream like this is going to be terrible. And the idea of a horror movie with a time loop is really interesting to me, especially if you throw in kind of the trope of the quote unquote final girl uh, and you could actually have this final girl kind of earning her way into survival as opposed to just surviving the first time through it. I thought, what a really interesting idea. And Blumhouse tends to do interesting horror movies because he basically says if you uh, Jason Blum has basically said, like, if you come in at budget or under you can do whatever you want you have final cut have a good time have a blast so you're going to get some usually some interesting ideas um and uh spoiler alert didn't really uh didn't really succeed for me in this movie i really really didn't like happy death day like i felt like it tried to balance the kind of straight up horror versus horror comedy and neither one of them really landed like i didn't laugh very much i didn't like jump in my seat very much it was just kind of like i I kept just waiting for the movie to be over. Like, that was, like, my whole process during this 90 minutes is like, oh, God, let's move on. I thought uh, – I compared it to, uh, pretty much to Moonlight for me. I thought <laughs> that's the movie I thought of. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Please tell me how it reminded you of Moonlight. Uh, so before I continue, I just want to pimp out again. That's uh, the Grand Gesture, which you can now find on <laughs> iTunes. Uh, it's at Grand Gesture Pod on all social media accounts. The, the reason being, okay, you just uh, – put out there my, my love of short movies mm-hmm. and i felt you know i was not someone that was a big fan of moonlight there were a lot of things i liked in particular the, the performances right uh and the cinematography i thought you know those are give them all the awards they want but my chief complaint was okay there's there's got to be more to this guy like there's you know there's there's a lot of interesting dynamics with these relationships right. and because of the structure which is interesting. It's like it's a very good sort of selling point. It's easily marketable. I never thought I'd say that about a film about a gay black man, but it's got a good hook to it. Moonlight, as far as that, the the three act structure. This film has a good, easily sellable hook. As mm-hmm. as you said, as far as like, okay, we're gonna do Groundhog Day, we're gonna do Edge of Tomorrow, but it's a slasher genre, so that's cool. How are they gonna flip that? Right. And I felt like both films, even though they're completely different aims, different demos. Yes. I felt like okay within the uh, the context of you know this this conceit here, they they really skim over the characters. Like there's there's one relationship that we're supposed to feel good about here, mm-hmm. um, which is I guess the the one night stand, um, <laughs> and then we learn more about that one night stand, the details about it, and so that's supposed to change. The character changes how she views this young man. We change on how we view that dynamic between the two. But it's just very – it's not even paint by numbers. It's just more like once they have a scene – it would be like in Groundhog Day if they didn't have like the homeless man sequence. Right. If they're just like, oh, I should feed that guy. I feel good about that now. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to go back to this. You know, right. Yes. There's not a lot of depth to it. And I don't want to say that Moonlight didn't have any depth, but it was very similar issues where I felt like, okay, we don't need to be in a big rush here. So th- this is really awkward for me because I'm all about the 90-minute movie. And I felt like you can slow down. Like, yeah. let's, you know, let's actually live this day again. And the movie really does suffer in, in particular with the slasher stuff in that they just kind of just want to get that over with. Yeah. And um, it's all the like the first complaint. like eight minutes and then the yeah. end of the movie in the middle is this like weird, this weird comedy that never really hits. And I think you bring it up. Groundhog Day is something I kind of wanted to talk about because I think a movie like this, a movie with these kind of time jumps and with some a character having an arc and changing a great deal by the end of the movie, you have to like them. And <laughs> I can't like I think actually this 
this person's performance was actually really good. I'm going to look up her name right now. Jessica Roth. I think she's a good actress and she does good with what she's given here. But there's so little character building that goes on throughout this movie that I'm not bonded to her at all. And then, you know, near the end of the movie, they shoehorn in all these like all these supposedly really deep emotional moments and how she's changing. And it all, and again, like you mentioned, it all feels really rushed. Like all that character development happens in like four minutes. You know, there's a bit with her father and then with the guy and then with her, her roommate and it all just gets thrown together in a blender. And you're just like, I feel nothing for this character. I think I would like to feel, I I meant to feel a lot less for her because I I actually like, this is a a movie where I'm going to say, casting uh, you know generic beautiful young blonde woman mm-hmm. uh really works for it yeah. because you're just like you kind of you know you want to see her get killed at least initially mm-hmm. and you're you're fine with it and you sort of revel in her her suffering a lot like you revel for you know picking on someone like tom cruise seeing him right. fail over and over or bill murray because he's he's funny at being morose yeah depressed. or because he's such a jerk in the beginning of the movie you're like okay i don't feel so bad that bad things are happening to him but then the character actually changes. The, I think the problem here is that like the stuff that I was interested in, and I, I didn't realize this film would touch on it. And maybe it's just in that sort of tropey casting, but it's like, you know, what are the expectations we have for generic, beautiful, blonde college girl? You know, are, are we going to, I thought it would be interesting to see these characters have like so little regard for her or mm-hmm. other characters who put them up on a pedestal and give them all the credit in the world, basically give them as many chances as possible to be good because they want so badly just to be next to someone with either that particular beauty, that power. And you see some of those dynamics with the sorority as far as like, you know, she sort of takes the side of those who are being bullied or picked on and, and takes down, you know, the, the mean girl here. But the film, you know, the film initially, like I said, was like something like, you know, moonlight. It does have to get back to that structure as far as like, Oh wait, no, we are a slasher movie and we've got this. And I, uh, I don't know if that's, to what you just said, where it's like the filmmaker, if he had like this limited budget, he did want to play with some other stuff, but eventually you got to have stuff that you can sell in the trailer. So right. I'm not as negative as you about it. Cause I think it can succeed in a number of different ways. The problem is it's just too short and it tries to do too many different things. Strangely where I, I thought like, okay, if you're gonna be a slasher movie, you know, this film doesn't have in my mind, like an iconic kill like something like scream it doesn't have like a a very long extended sort of set piece in a way where you're going to remember that one do you think that's possible in a pg-13 horror movie or do you think they should have gone with like an r rating to have a memorable kill i you know i don't really i think given the uh the concept here i don't know if that really matters too much i mean i think it's strange because in like logan and deadpool sort of world it is strange that (laughs) This did not go out R-rated yeah. uh, for a slash movie. But on the other hand... And it's not like Blumhouse doesn't release R-rated movies. Sure. Like, <laughs> but considering that in this, this premise, the killer is only concerned with her, and once she dies, the day starts over again, unless you're going to you know, glorify it to the extent where it's going to be like sort of torture porn, where it takes a long time for her to die. Basically, once she gets caught in this little cat-mouse game, you can then cut to her waking up again. So I didn't really have a problem with that. I just thought that the staging of these things were not as fun as they, they could have been given the fact that our character has insights into what to do next time, like a video game. Right. Uh, that's where it really failed for me is that most of her decisions 
she just would suddenly be in a different room talking. And I, I did want to, I want to see the home alone moment, you know, right. I want to see her, her plan up for this, you know, strange baby faced uh, killer, but <laughs> not so much, not so much in this movie. Yeah. So there's, before we get into spoilers, there's two things I wanted to mention. One of them negative and one of them positive. I do actually have something positive to say about this movie, uh, but I'll start with the negative part. There is, you know, I won't go into detail here because it is kind of a spoiler, but there is a, a red herring for about 20 minutes of this movie where you're led to think the killer is one person. Uh, and it was maybe the most obvious, like insulting, bad, like predictable moment of the film where it's like, this comes out of nowhere. So, you know, the fact that it's a murder mystery that you're meant that she's meant to solve. Like they just kind of throw this in front of her, like, Oh, it's this guy. We're going to put it on the news. And it was just like, what? This, and I was sitting there like, okay, one of two things is going to happen. This is an obvious ploy or they're really going this route. And this becomes like the dumbest movie I've seen this year where it's like, oh, all of a sudden, like, oh, here's here's your surprise ending. We never told you about this person, but he's totally the killer. And I was just like, what are we doing here? Like that? I mean, and like you said, it's a short movie already. Use that time to build in what you were talking about, these character moments instead of this like 20 minutes of like misleading the audience in a really obvious way. Well, that could be a gag into itself. You know, she's mm-hmm. so sort of insular uh, and into her own own world that she immediately goes into all of her close friends and families and like, all right, who hates me the most and will <laughs> kill me? It's, it's a like, big list. <laughs> that's a that's kind of an amusing moment if you sit back and you're like, you could legitimately make a list where it's like, you know, my roommate, my sorority sister, uh, a guy that I didn't text back, you know, old dad for not calling him back. Like, it's just and like, not just Lord. dislike, but willing to murder me. <laughs> like, this is wow. And I, you know, I didn't feel like it, the the response I got, and it was a you know decent sized turnout. And this was, you know, yet again, this was like the the big Blade Runner killer this weekend. <laughs> Apparently, big, big who knew? <laughs> um, but no one, uh, I felt like the crowd. No one seemed to really be into the game of nope. it all. Nope. Uh, which is strange, given that this is now going to enter in that sort of uh, history of this little subgenre of like people reliving the same day over and over again. It was yeah. far more detailed than something like Edge of Tomorrow or Groundhog Day. Like there's that amusing sequence with the uh, the, the bank robbery, and here there's there's something akin to that. But I like you said, I also don't know why I care. I don't know why I care if these people don't you know if they get wet or not sitting on the lawn with sprinklers, you know, it's, we yeah. never get to see this character do anything really cool for herself. Yeah, This is where uh, the like tone mixture really like throws the movie off. Like you're just like, if this movie was a straight up comedy, then that moment where she's like saving people from sprinklers or throwing a pillow underneath someone, that stuff can work. But like, it's just such a weird mix that like, I, I, I found myself like not knowing how I was supposed to react to this movie. Like I was just kind of sitting there like, is this supposed to be funny? Is this supposed to be scary? Because it's not really pulling off either one of those things. Well, this is what I mean. You need to become a bigger uh, film podcaster or, or reviewer. You know, you need to uh, that way you can get the those screenings where the director gives you a forty page document. Like here, <laughs> here are my notes for this. Like film. I'm watching Mother again. Yeah, that's, <laughs> here's what it means, idiot. Um, I would I would love that for this film. I would love for the. <laughs> That's probably yeah, longer than the script, so sure. I don't think that's going to happen. But the one thing I really did like, and something you don't often see in these movies with time repeating, is that there are some actual stakes introduced later on in the movie. That like these these deaths that she's experienced are actually affecting her physically. 
where like, you know, there's scar tissue built up. I like that. I like that there's like, and now we think, okay, so sometimes with these movies, you're like, oh, you can just keep doing this for as long as you want. And you're like, okay, so why should I care? Why should I be worried about you in each of these scenes where this killer is after you? And I think that introduces a little bit of stakes where you're like, oh, I actually should be worried about this character because she probably only has so many lives left. Yeah. I Yet again, it's an idea that's introduced though, that yeah, you know, at the stage they they do it. I don't feel like you. It's it's too late in the game almost for you to to care about like right. her. Uh, yeah, the timing's you know, definitely not great. <laughs> her like rage quits, I guess. If you want to keep it in like video game <laughs> yes. you know, terminology, at that point you're just like, oh, well, how many has it been? And so since we're gonna be serious now, uh, there's really not that many after that point. So right. I, I I thought like you could have you could have put some of the other stuff in earlier on. Yeah, if you put um, that in the first 25 minutes of the movie, I think it's way more effective. But I think when they introduce it, you've got like maybe 20, 30 minutes left. So it's just like you don't get time to to know like what effect that really has. It just feels like it's just kind of thrown in there so people won't complain about the repetitiveness of it, I guess. Well, it's, it's sort of a strange promise you're making to uh, your audience. You're like, all right, we're not going to fuck around anymore. Like this is right. the, the, bo- the boss fights are coming up. Right. We promise. And you're like, oh, okay, all right. Yeah. So – since I was in a movie theater where I was, you know, I could order food. I was like, okay, now's the time to get dessert then, because right. they've told me this is wrapping up soon. <laughs> let's let's wrap it up. All right, speaking of wrapping it up, let's go to spoilers now. Spoilers. What? Read ahead. Spoil all the surprises. Not peeking at the end. Isn't traveling with you one big spoiler? That's classified. It's what? It's classified. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. All right. So one of the things that. It really upset me about this one. You end up finding out that the killer is her uh, is her roommate, um, who's you know shown as very sweet throughout most of the movie, and is you know holding in this rage at how she's been treated. But if you look at the kills early in the movie, that's a dude. That is not like a slender, like five foot ten model looking roommate dressed up in that baby mask like that's definitely yeah like a... hide us now you don't know maybe <laughs> yes, you slump your shoulders yes, a little bit that's you, right you get into character i don't know <laughs> i was just Lord like rings it just Gollum, smeagol i mean yeah. he, he was able to change himself yeah not that much same I, thing was... this lady <laughs> <laughs> nice but yeah it was just like it, and again like it felt like you know when you watch uh when you watch or read like mystery novels or or mystery films like, it can get a little annoying when all of a sudden, like, we're just going to throw all this information at you in the last 10 minutes of the movie that doesn't really match up with everything you've been watching. Because part of the fun of this movie is kind of trying to solve this along with her and guess who it is. And yes, you don't want to make it obvious, but you also don't want to cheat. And I feel like this movie is just kind of a big cheat. Did you have, like, a, uh, a Kathy Bates reaction from Misery where you, like, stood up in the theater, like... She didn't get out of the like cockadoomy car or whatever. Because <laughs> I would love you that know thing. me so well. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, did I have a problem with it? No, I didn't have a problem uh, with. It. I had more of a problem with what you referenced earlier, where it was like we introduced this like, Ugh. you know, uh, this killer Buffalo of women. Bill. Yeah, yeah like, whoever he is, that's just like got one guard. I kept and, thinking uh, like, did I miss something early in the movie? Like, and all of a sudden it's just like on the news. This guy kills young girls. Okay, <laughs> like, really? Is that the and they? It would be one thing if it was a red herring that lasted like two or three minutes. And then you quickly found out it wasn't him. But there's this whole plan she puts in action to take this guy out that takes like a third of the movie. And you're just like, oh, yeah, but also, no, nothing, nothing is true about this. And 
Yeah, that's well, definitely both upsetting. both responses to the uh, uh, the presumed uh, killer here. Um, you know, she doesn't really have a, a, a clear idea, at least in my mind, on how if this day is not going to reset, how she's going to continue her life not in prison because right. she like, just murders this a, guy, a cop, right. steals his gun, <laughs> um, you know, and lets him go. But who knows what happens at that point? And then yeah, her roommate situation, all I was thinking, it's like, good Lord, if this person had not had any previous history and this she was just some sort of personal of grudge. Like, Jesus. Um, yeah. And so when they scan her head, they're going to see all sorts of weird stuff going on. <laughs> she's got like, the, like she's played in the NFL for two seasons right, or something. Got or got the brain of old, yeah. Um, but you know, you're probably not meant to think about that. My, I think my biggest issue comes down to, uh, the relationship with Carter, the, the one night stand that wasn't Ugh. like the, uh, the ultimate, like nice guy. So here. tedious. God. Um, <laughs> was there any part of you that liked Carter? Like, did is he a likable character? Um, I I, I like that he never went too big, you know, because her character mm-hmm. they they attempt to go Bill Murray a little bit where she uh, there's a sequence where she just like farts in front of him, like, <laughs> and I like that he constantly like he uh, he barely registers any of it, like he's right. just like so I, I thought you know he was his character was sort of charming in in that way. Do I think that she suddenly would? like see this person for the first time, like just with these little details, like, I don't know. It's like she, she puts more on this guy just being a decent human being. Uh, and suddenly he becomes like, uh, like a Greek God. He becomes Adonis all of a sudden. Right. And I found that, I found that to be, I have a little bit of trouble with that. I, you know, I like that. Obviously we don't have a, uh, you know, white male college student that takes advantage of a young lady, but I don't really like that. He is like, being patted on the back so hard for that in this, this particular film. Um, yeah, that was, that was about my only issue was, uh, and there's one moment where she, you know, she decides she has what she thinks is the killer ready to go. And, but then she realizes, Oh, Carter's already been killed. So I have to go back one last time. Save him. And I, I I didn't mind that, you know, that that was nice actually. The damsel in distress sort of trope there for once. Um, but yeah, I felt like you're saying like the comedy, you know, didn't really work. And, this odd mixture. I felt like you had an opportunity there to do a little bit more rom-comish stuff. Mm -hmm. And by the way, that's the grand gesture on iTunes and, uh, grand Grand gesture pod. pod. Yep. Very good. Um, so yeah, that's, (laughs) and uh, it's hard for me. It's basically me saying they need to write this character of tree. And you told me that right before we started recording, (laughs) I did not remember the main character's name. I was just like, Oh, skinny blonde, white girl. Um, (laughs) I think that, that, that there need to be a little bit more from her as far as why exactly she, she thought I'm just going to change my entire lifestyle for this, this one nice dude who doesn't really express himself that well. Yeah. And I think that that kind of speaks to all of the problems I have with the, the emotional beats of the third act um, with her kind of, you know, like you get, you get this lead up with her dad where he keeps calling and she keeps not answering. And that goes on and on and on. And there's definitely something going on there. And then there's this big tearful moment about her and her mom having the same birthday and her dad and her not connecting anymore. And I just didn't feel like any of that really worked. And I felt like it should have. Like there's enough material there. But if they had actually taken the time to kind of build that up. And it's the same thing with her relationship with Carter is like, I don't believe that this woman is going to change her life for this guy and to kind of risk her social standing. Like, I think it goes back to the idea that I'm just like not connected with this character of tree uh, throughout the whole movie. And you're just like, so all these, all these steps she's taking at the end of the movie to like make the right choices and to be a better person, like even down to the, like, you know, giving her, 
her gay suitor a pep talk to go to go find a hot guy. Like all of this, all of this stuff, like really just rang false for me. I will say though that she's pretty. She's pretty charming. Yes. Stuff like this actor, she's pretty good with what she has to. Oh no, I think this is script with. stuff. This isn't. This yeah. isn't her. I think she's actually really good. I enjoyed her performance. I just don't think she's given a lot to work with. Uh, you know, a young Cameron Diaz, I think, would have really killed this because I think that's it's a similar type of performance. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. It's meant to, you know, the, the sort of the cattiness, uh, but that sort of bubbly charm. Um, yeah, this is it seems like it, it has sort of that sort of star making role type thing to it. Yes. But um, I don't know if it's going to work. You know, I don't <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think this is like Scream for a new generation, which I think it's trying to play in that sandbox. Yeah, it's trying to get some laughs. It's trying to, you know, to be. Uh, you know, but Scream, as you, you said, Scream is also far bloodier in its kills too. I yes. mean, it did. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know, but it's, it's, you know, I'm assuming we're going to see a happy death day too. So uh, I just don't know if they'll go with a different, different person, but uh, it was pretty good. I'm going to give the Mike Dennison thing. It was yeah, fine. It's like pretty good. I have to say, you know, if I'm, if I'm thinking who with this being PG 13, if this is going to be aiming at like, I don't know, middle school or like, you know, mm-hmm. high school students, I think they'll have a good time with yeah. it. And, uh, the only, the only thing that I'm sort of harsher about with it is I think there's some interesting ideas here that they, they just skim over because, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a movie meant for two guys that are like <laughs> in their thirties on a movie podcast. Probably not. Probably you know, this is probably like, um, the, the fault of studios not putting, you know, three billboards out this weekend, which I know you'd, you'd rather dive into. But here yes, we are. Happy definitely. death day. So. And I think uh, Jessica Roth will be OK. She's been cast in a remake of Valley Girl uh, that is a musical of all things. So. Holy shit. She's, all right. You know, she'll be all right. Star making turn. Maybe maybe it's happening for Happy Death Day. Better watch out, Ryan Gosling. If you've got another big sci-fi property, she's going to take you down. She's going to take you down again. All right. <laughs> um, so we're going to take a break, and then we will uh, we will come back with Brit with Fangirl Fixation, which may be her last appearance uh, in a long time because she's tired of this shit, and I don't blame her. Uh, so we are <laughs> going to – comes around <laughs> yep. to my way of thinking. That's right. <laughs> so uh, instead of doing like movie news or anything like that, we went and saw Professor Marston and the Wonder Women, and we will be talking about that. So we'll be right back. Hello, I'm Andrew. And I'm Bernadette, and we're the AB Film Review. We're a weekly film review and discussion podcast from Perth, Western Australia. We're a married couple who like to spend our Saturday evenings avoiding reality by discussing and often arguing about the latest films and some classics. And getting closer to divorce. Uh, you can find us on the Podrose Network at podrose.com, also on Twitter at AB Film Review, Facebook AB Film Review, and our website abfilmreview.com. That's a lot of babies. That's it. Okay, we're back, and it's time for, it sounds like one, not final, but final for a while, uh, episode of Fangirl Fixation. So I'm so dramatic. So say hello, Britt. Hello, Britt. So Britt has got her own shit going on. She's got her own uh, creative thing. She went, no, no, she has her own creative thing uh, she wants to do. There's, there's so, so much judgment that she has not, her own shit going no, on. No, it's not. It's no judgment at all. I'm doing this, so I don't want to get in the way of you doing what you want to do. So uh-huh. Britt's going to take... You know, a break from fangirl fixation. She'll show up every once in a while, like when she feels like it, but yep. it's not going to be like a weekly thing. Yeah, I decided right? that I'm going to do NaNoWriMo this year again. 
hopefully. Mm-hmm. And for once, I would like to actually hit the 50,000 words. That means I can't deal with none of Dave's shenanigans. Yeah, it's true. Like, I, mean, I think most people know how you feel. Yeah. Like, who would want to deal with that? Like, it's, it's too much. I was tricked. Tricked uh, into this, I tell you. It's true. I meant um, the marriage, not the podcast. No. Man, you just made it worse. Thanks. Uh, So what do you want to talk about this week? I'm just going to kind of leave it up to you. I mean, we have like movie news, but that was only if we were going to like kind of, you know, continue this on a weekly basis. So, you know. Poor Dave. He like, he he looks up all this stuff, sends it to me. I'm like, yeah, about that. Um, Good. I think we need to start seeing other creative endeavors. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So what do you want to talk about? Uh, Well, NaNoWriMo, because it's already eating my brain. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I made Dave try to do it with me last year, which was apparently not a good idea. Like, the creative process is not great right after dealing with a death. (laughs) Yeah, and it was also right after the election. Yeah, so there was, like, Dave and I were both just like, fuck it, why are we doing this? There's no point. Yep, it was rough. Uh, It did well, like, the first week or so, and then after that it was Yeah, yeah, same for me. I got about, like, I think 3,000 words, and uh, and then I just gave up on everything. Mm -hmm. And normally during the holidays, I also have to, like, work a ton of overtime, so, like, I'm usually working six days a week in 10-hour days. Um, But for whatever reason, well, actually, I know what reasons, um, this year, supposedly, I'm not working overtime. Right. Which means I finally have a normal schedule during NaNoWriMo, and so maybe I can actually focus on something. And for Mm -hmm. once, I actually have an idea that I'm excited about for writing. It's probably going to be crap. Uh, That's why we also take December for editing, and then I'll (laughs) still be crap. Um, Good attitude. I know, yes. I'm a true writer. Uh, (laughs) This is shit! Yeah, so it's just also interesting, like, like... it's become such a phenomenon. Ooh, words. See, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't write. I can't even speak. Well, that means you should write. Oh, Just because you should <laughs> like, don't don't talk. Yeah. <laughs> See, this is working out for Dave already. Um, but phenomenon. Like, yeah, is the yeah. Because there's like there's tons of people that are super crazy about it, mm-hmm. and like there's there's some people that like I've heard have been doing it for like ten plus years, and and they're still not published. That's fucking sad. I don't know if they're still not published <laughs> or not. Um, that's not something I've ever like really asked or looked into. Right, but. Uh, yeah, like I have a friend who's a published author and she keeps telling me that I should be writing, though specifically she wants me writing erotica, so she may not be happy about this book, but... <laughs> Look at you, writing non-porn. Yeah, and it, it actually, like, that is branching out for me. I'm like, wait, what, you don't call this a throbbing bratwurst anymore? What do you... <laughs> Excellent movie reference. You're welcome. I appreciate it. I'm, just, I'm here for, for you right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's what I'm mostly going to let my brain get eated up with mm-hmm. and, you know... Age of Sigmar. Oh, right. I gotta, you know, I gotta get back into that and, like, get my guys you? put together. Do you have to? Yeah, I do. <laughs> gotta, gotta paint them. Gotta go crush some civilians with my murderous niblets. You know. Like you do. Like you do. Sure. Um, did you want to talk about the movie we saw yesterday? I do. So what movie? Do you remember what it's called? It's one of those really long titles. Professor Marston and Wonder Woman or something and like that. And the Wonder Women. And the Wonder Women. Yes. Oh, Okay. So what did you think of Professor Marston? And just so you guys know, if you haven't seen this movie and want to, we're probably going to end up talking about spoilers. So if you don't want to hear spoilers, just go ahead and skip this and come back to it later. So, Brett, what did you think of Professor Marston and the Wonder Women? Okay, so when I first saw the trailer for this, I was kind of like, well, that looks interesting, but I wasn't like super invested. It was something that I was like, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a huge, huge Wonder Woman fan. Um, I do enjoy her. I enjoyed, like, the new movie that just came out mm-hmm. with Gail Godot. 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 Okay, I always say yeah. her last name wrong. Me too. Um, 
And so, like, I, I've gotten a little bit more excitement about it. I have a lot of friends that are really, really huge mm. Wonder Woman fans. Yes, you do. Um, so, as a disclaimer, from what I've heard from my really my friends that are like really big fans, uh, this is this is a a very much like loosely based on a true story. Mm -hmm. They say that there hasn't actually been any interaction or interviews with the family of right. Professor Marsden. Man, people are upset. I saw some stuff online too, yeah. and I'm like, I don't know. Like, I almost literally could not care less. Because, like, I'm not taking this as, like, this is a completely true account. This is a fictionalized account right, but I think, of real people. But I, like, but I also think, like, when you're a mega fan, like, you want that insight. You can't separate that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, I understand that. And so, like, if just for for their sakes, I'm sure. going to say that this is, like, a very big work of fiction. Yeah, it's like historical fiction. Um, that being said, this was an amazing fucking movie. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't really sure what they were going to do with the Polly aspect because Polly is still really really frowned upon oh yeah for sure. um like i mean I, I have conversations with mama all the time of like i don't understand i'm like you don't need to understand like it's <laughs> just, not your it's, life just accept um, it it's fine yeah and don't walk into people's houses unannounced right you know? oh my god like that part <laughs> i was just like i felt for them so much um that's why you lock your fucking doors always true but this was like you <laughs> it's know, a long time yeah. ago yeah um <laughs> yeah so i was really really surprised of like how positively they portrayed Polly. I mean, they still showed a lot of the complications that come up with Polly sure. relationships. Um, they definitely showed that there's, like, a lot of complicated feelings with jealousy and sexuality and, like, how do you, like, what's the best way to live your life once you decide to sure. have those type of relationships? Um, and everybody has their own version, and um, I'm not going to say that any particular one is wrong unless there's um, some sort of emotional abuse involved. Right. But um, or physical abuse as well. Obviously, any, any, any kind of any kind of abuse, then you're doing Polly wrong. Um, just life wrong. Just yeah, just relationships. Like, uh, I enjoyed that they, like, they showed like little things about like them coming together and having conversations together. Mm -hmm. They were very open about whose feelings were with who, and like you know they, they actually like they didn't just like go to like ooh hot steamy sex. Um, right. like that Although was that actually, is in there. No, that that is those in there. Really work. Man. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. Wow. Those are shot really really well. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, I'd like this whole movie like had some really amazing shots in it, and like mm -hmm. I think they did a really good job of making you feel right. without like hitting you over the ha head with a hammer of like now you must feel this thing like you get right. like you get really they attached. let you get there yeah you get really attached to all three characters mm -hmm. um, for who they are and also as like a, a relationship. So. Yeah, I think that's actually one of the most impressive things about this. Anytime you have, I mean, whether it's a comedy a drama a tragedy whatever where you have you know more than two characters that are in love with one another um sometimes it feels really imbalanced like yeah. oh, we're focusing too much on this and not much on this but i thought like all three of them uh rebecca hall bella heathcote and luke evans were all tremendous oh yeah I mean, they were is, amazing this is easily the best thing luke evans has ever done that i've seen yeah like i like luke evans a lot but he's been involved in a lot of like not so great projects that's fair um and rebecca hall is just i mean i posted this on twitter after we saw the movie that at this point, like, she might be my favorite working actress. Like, she's so fucking good. Literally, we and were... she's amazing here. We were like, five minutes into the movie, and I turn and look at Dave, and I'm like, this is my favorite movie. Yeah. <laughs> she, was, she knew right away. Yeah, and it's also a really cool thing to have a queer romance, because obviously we have two women in love here. Yes, I love um, that. And they focus actually a lot more on the women's relationship than yeah, the men. Yeah, and not only that, but it doesn't end for them in tragedy. Yeah. Which is so rare. Yeah. Usually, if two women or two men are together, someone's dying. You know, like, whether it's AIDS or right. a beating or, you well, know, I like mean, some it, other I mean, tragedy. It, it did kind of end in tragedy, not for the queer couple. I don't think it did. Well, I, I mean, mean, it's still lived, life. He yeah. lived his life. Like, it wasn't like, 
wasn't like he died because of the things that he did with these women. Right. He died because he smoked too much. Right. Like, that's... <laughs> I do also appreciate that this film... Like, because usually also when you have an ensemble cast like this, like, they always, like, try to tint somebody slightly as the villain. Yeah. Like, there's somebody that and you're not... they all have supposed... their moments. Yeah. They, they, they were all very human. <laughs> mm-hmm. There was all moments where, like, you're being a dick. Yeah. You know? Um... And then there was moments where it was still, like, very real that they had love for each other. Mm-hmm. And um, I think at a certain point, I kind of forgot it was a movie. Right. You know? And, and I think the best, the best, especially movies that are love stories, that's what should happen. Like, right. you should be lost in it. Right. And I definitely felt that. Like, it's, you know, there are very few movies that, like, almost literally will make an audience swoon. And this is the type of movie like that, where you're just like, oh, and you just get so wrapped up in their emotion and yeah. their love and their care. And, like, the way... I'd be really interested to see how the kind of, quote-unquote, like, normals out there who don't know anything about polyamory or any of this, like, how they'll react to this. Mm -hmm. Because it is, like, you know, it's definitely very different from the norm. Right. Um, But for me to watch it, I mean, it was, like, I wanted to, like, stand up and cheer. Like, this is, like, oh, my God, it's actually showing the complexity and the difficulty. Like, I think the only negatives I found in the movie is there were some moments where the couples split up where I felt like... There's probably a lot more buildup in real life. Like, yes. this was really quick. Yes, it But is, I think yeah. they just desperately wanted to keep this, like, under yeah. that two-hour range. Yeah. Um, so there are moments where you're kind of like, oh, you're going to freak out about that and leave when you have a family? Like, that seems excessive. No, yeah, there's, but... there's definitely, like, a longer thing that we don't get to see in some instances. Um, yeah. I also really like the way that they approached kink in this. Yeah. Um, they, like, I mean, I think, I think for any partner who becomes interested in kink is always a very difficult conversation to have with your other partner right um because you you are making yourself incredibly vulnerable because there are some people that like call people kinky people freaks and like depraved and like especially for this era it's even more so um and i feel like they still handled that in a very real and compassionate way Mm um like they're like some of the partners freak out a little bit and whatnot, and the, and they still show great communication. Mm-hmm. Um, they show like the range of emotions that they go through with dealing with complicated um, things like that. I mean, they still like have very natural reactions of like, you know, this is pornography. What are you doing? Yeah, you know. Um, but then like sitting down and continuing to talk about it because it's something that that partner desires and is interested in. And right. I just like I really really value how this movie handled really tough conversations that I don't think get a a fair enough voice in yeah. our society. Yeah. I think one of my favorite scenes in the movie, there's a whole scene with like rope bondage uh, that yeah. happens in the movie. and I was critiquing it, but that's fine. Yeah, you would. Uh, and I thought it, it was really interesting that at first, you know, it was like this, you know, it was essentially in the back room of this, right. you know, porn peddler's place, right? And he's showing uh, he them. was a burlesque yeah. costumer. Sure he was. Thank you. Not in the back room. Nope. Uh, and, you know, he's showing them how to do it with his, you know, uh, with, with this other person who we're never introduced to again. And then he asked for volunteers. And then you have Luke Evans and Bella Heathcote come up and you can see, like, how disgusted Rebecca Hall's character yeah, is by exactly, this. And she, yeah. like, storms out. But what I love is when she comes back and decides to, like, be the one to tie the ropes, the first thing she says to her before she starts is... Is this what you really want? Yes. And it's all about they consent. They about consent. And I was like, wow, this is really well done. And they did it, and it just shows you that, you know, some people talk about, like, well, you can't ask for consent and make it sexy. Like, that was, it that was, was hot. It was hot. Like, yeah. and, and there's a lot of moments. I felt like it's a really difficult balance because you've got, you got to do the kind of creation of Wonder Woman. You have to tell that whole story. Right. You have to tell, tell the story of this relationship. And this relationship, by its nature, 
is going to be sexually charged. Yeah. But you don't want to go so far that it just becomes like softcore porn. Yeah. And they did a really good job of balancing all these things. I was really impressed by and, that. And I would like people to know that they, this story is way more about that relationship than it is about Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah. You I definitely mean, get some views on how he like started to come around to the idea of Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking for a Wonder Woman movie, this is not it. Right. Um, no. This is this is about people. This is about relationships. This is about the complexities of life mm-hmm. and societal pressures. And, um, yeah. Like, I, I actually am more happy with how this was than what I originally thought, because I thought it yeah. was going to be very, very centered on, like, Wonder Woman. Um, and again, not to say that I don't like that character, right. but that I was favorite. I was just pleasantly surprised that that was not the focus of this movie. Yeah. I mean, there's there's, there's really a lot to like here. Like, I, I mean, I think I, I feel like we could spend, like, another 30 minutes just telling each we've other about ta- We've been talking about this since we saw it. We enjoyed. So. But you bring up the kind of, like, it's not a Wonder Woman movie, but what I really like about it is how... I mean, I think they probably explain it a little too much at the end of the movie with this, like, final press conference that he has. Yes. Uh, it's, like, kind of, like, for the idiots in the audience, if you didn't get it, but I like how they... There was a scene early in the movie where Rebecca Hall's character asks him, like, why do you love her? Yeah. And he gives her all the reasons, and then gives all the reasons why he loves Rebecca Hall's character. And together. And, and says, like, you know, and together you are the perfect woman. And then they tie that into what he's creating yep. with Wonder Woman. I thought that was really sweet and really wonderful. And he could, like, give this ode to the women who have changed him and the women who have loved him and the woman who he has loved and create this perfect individual that girls could look up to. And I thought, like, this is such a great... You know, and it's interesting. I think sometimes with female superheroes, like, we... We get wrapped into, like, they have to be strong, they have to be tough, they have to kick ass. And sometimes what gets forgotten is that they should be representative of human beings, too. And they should fall in love and they should care about people. And they should have relationships. But I think sometimes when we think of Wonder Woman or, you know, whoever else, like, having a relationship, like, the the brain sometimes goes to, like, oh, they're making her, like, a weak woman. Right. By being in a relationship. Because obviously, like, a woman being in love and nurturing is, it makes them weak. Right. Um, And And I can understand that because that's, like, the stereotype of women and you want to get past that. But it should, it should contain multitudes. But, But on that same level, too, like, let's talk about all the mothers who have lifted up cars off of their children. Yeah, what can I? You know, yeah. like... I mean, like, I think sometimes that's the negative of going all in on kind of stereotypical feminism is that you forget that, like, a feminism is not only equality but the right for a woman to choose. And if she wants to be a mother... Right. She gets to. And one of those, one of these characters is. Well, I think, I think the problem is, is that um, while there's a lot of really strong feminism happening, especially right now, um, we're still trying to force our women to be men. Mm. Like, you have to hit these men's stereotypes to be taken seriously. Right. And I think that's where we start to lose the fact that we should still be women. And that we also need to start opening more discussions about that it's okay for men to be loved mm. and, like, loving and nurturing and, mm-hmm. and have those more softer, compassionate sides. It's interesting that the man in this is kind of the submissive one. He though. is, yeah. Even um, though he's, like, if you look at Luke Evans, he's a stereotypical, like, alpha male. Yeah. So I thought that was really kind of gutsy to cast him in a role like this and a big challenge for him as an actor. Yeah, the other thing that I, like, the, one of the lines that I really loved is um, uh, Professor Marston is uh, talking about the characteristics of, of men and women and, like, why it's mm. a man's world. And at the end of it, like, when he's talking about all the qualities of women, he's like, so why aren't women ruling the world? Wouldn't it be better then? Mm-hmm. And I just thought that that was really, really good. Like, mm-hmm. that was, like, and, I mean... And, and I think they, they touch on sexism a lot in this, yeah. too, in a very 
uh, approachable way. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of was laughing to myself because uh, I was at, in an uncharacteristic moment. I got into a, a very large flame war with somebody over gun control, and uh, and he accused my generation of creating sexism. That's impressive. Yeah. So uh, in watching this movie, right. like I was like, "Yep, we totally created it. Wasn't happening at all yep. beforehand when we had women only schools and totally. <laughs> and women weren't allowed to have degrees from specific colleges. No, right. no, nope, millennials created it with their avocado toast. I think uh, I think the way they handled sexism was re- it was really deftly done. Like in the very beginning, it's pretty obvious how they're dealing with it, right? Yeah. I mean, you have Rebecca Hall's character like ranting and raving that like she can't de- get a degree from Harvard even though she took the classes and did all the work. Yep. But I think it's interesting the the arc of her relationship with Bella Heathcote's character because there is a little bit of kind of looking down mm-hmm. on her like she's yeah. in a sorority she's a quote unquote pretty girl and then she becomes a stay at home and she mom. becomes a stay at home mom and by the end of the film like the kind of prototypical like feminist I can do anything I'm not going to do the standard female role ends up being you know in a way submissive to this mm-hmm. woman who has taken the standard route and I think you know I, aside from obviously this relationship and I think that also gave a very um approachable view into how women degrade other women yeah yeah it was and really... how that's not actually feminism yeah there I can't remember what the line was but like she calls her a fool to her face right like, and, and there and and consistently and then there the was movie. and then there was also this moment where she like points everything out of like well he has his comics and his career and I'm a sex Secretary, what are you? What are you? Yeah. Like basically saying that she's nothing because she stays at home and yeah, takes care of the kids. Because she got pregnant. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is just, this is a very complicated and really good movie. It's complicated but approachable, which is. Yeah, I don't think say. there's anything that's like super confusing about no. it, but it's. I think complicated is maybe the wrong word. It's complex. Complex. There you we know, go. There's we'll a go lot of, There's a lot of levels to it, and I think it really works. And, you know, it's too early to say because, like, I just saw it. But I have a, you know, this might be my favorite movie this year. Like, I, I can't remember a movie this year I walked out of, like, so happy. Yeah. And so pumped. And, like, you know that feeling you get when you watch something really good and you're just like, oh, that was so good. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how I felt after watching this movie. So even if, like, this uh, this little podcast episode has, like, spoiled things uh, for you, I think, I don't think it really does. Like, I think it's still no, worth I watching. Think, I think we, I mean, know? like, we touched on some points, but, I mean, it does, it's, it's, it's never ever going to fully spoil this movie for yeah. you. Like, and you honestly, need to see it. You should just see it for Rebecca Hall's performance because it is out of this world. Like she is I still, so, I still don't so good. Get so my cousin tells me that I look like Rebecca Hall, especially when she's in that series with Benedict Cumberbatch, and I don't see it at all. Yeah, I don't know. Like, but man, she's so. Good I mean, here. I wish I could look like Rebecca Hall. That'd be awesome. <laughs> but you know, oh, also titties. Oh my god. All right. <clears throat> We're we don't, on we that don't note. ruin it at the end. Good job. Sorry. <laughs> Well, then I started thinking about that one scene. As we talk then... about feminism for 20 minutes, then it's like, Look, and titties. <laughs> part, hey, I like boobs. You do. It's true. Maybe more than I do, which is kind of impressive. All right. Um, so that's it for this episode. You want to say goodbye for now, Brett? No. No? Oh, wait a wait a Cliffhanger. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. You would. All right. So that's it uh, for this episode. Uh, I don't really know what the next episode is going to be because I didn't look it up. So uh, I guess watch Twitter for that. I don't know. <laughs> um, so until then, I will be here, Britain, diagnosing your favorites Rude. and judging you for what you watch. Uh, but if you're like, you know, a, a gay guy from Ohio... Like, your community is going to be real tiny, so you better not burn any bridges if, it's, if right. they're not that abusive or horrible, you know? But 
they're saying all the assholes, all the gay assholes are in San Francisco. They have no need for it. <laughs> all they the can gay move assholes. Along. Well, you know, <laughs> you could read that more than one way, and both are probably true. That's. <laughs> this has uh, been brought to you by the Westboro Baptist Church. <laughs> yes! Exactly. All those gay assholes. <laughs> uh... Actually, I would find them kind of charming if that's where the rhetoric sort of ended if, they, if that was as dirty as they got <laughs> like okay assholes. not god hates fags or you should burn yeah. it out but look at these gay assholes <laughs> <laughs>